Hey, it's Pop Culture Rescue, the podcast, episode two. Thank you for uh, downloading and streaming and iTunesing and Stitchering. Yeah, and and Tumbling. A Tumblr is a thing. Stumbled um, uponing. Exactly. Um, so interesting. Uh, you think they pin us? There, there's probably at least two pins. Uh, the pin culture uh, rescue. Pin culture rescue. That's the thing. Yeah, um, it is now. Yeah. So we're we're your hosts. Uh, I'm eclectic, and at um, eclectic on Twitter, and my partner in rescue. Uh, introduce yourself, there. Well, first of all, don't forget the folks on LinkedIn. We're huge on LinkedIn, <laughs> and um, highly professional. Yes. Uh, yeah. This is uh, this is how we do it. You gotta get your groove on. A D E W. I T T. How we do it? Yeah, do it like Joyce DeWitt. Exactly. <laughs> with the with the, from from uh, TV's Three's Company. Yeah, this is uh this is episode two of Pop Culture Rescue. It's uh click and deck, and we're here to uh, bring back some uh, beloved properties. We're here to create some reboots that don't suck, and we're you know because uh, we're just here. To uh, uh, give a, a place to start, because you gotta start somewhere. Yeah, we're starting the conversation. We're starting the conversation. So, what are we rescuing today, sir? Tonight, today, we're gonna rescue a uh, property. Let me give you a little background on it while while we're here. Okay. Since since you're here, uh, a Rankin Bass production distributed by Lorimar Telepictures in 1986. Uh, 65 episodes were made. The space-bound equivalent of the previous series, The Thundercats. We're talking about the one, the only, The Silverhawks. Incredible show. And and to pull the, the curtain back, if it were, and it is, but if it were really up to um, Howard and myself, this probably would have been episode one because we both really loved the show. But um, um, we really do. We t- we talked earlier about how this is finally the proper Silverhawks podcast episode that we've been discussing, needing to do for almost three years now. Yes. I don't know how we've gone this long and not had a eclectic discussion or an underscoop fire podcast just about Silverhawks. I guess it's because. Um, we wanted to wait until we had something to talk about besides just, oh, what was your favorite uh, Silverhawk? Okay, talk to you later. <laughs> exactly, and uh, that's the end of the show. Uh, All right. The coolest 10-minute podcast ever. Ever. But um, but now we're, we're going to rescue it. Um, it's one of those properties that never got a reboot. You know, they tried to bring the Turtles back a million times. They tried to bring the Thundercats back, G.I. Joe back, Transformers back, but... They they they're, they're leaving the silver hooks. Uh. They're leaving them on the shelf, and and we were teased with the promise of a, a upcoming reboot when uh, when the Thundercats reboot was airing that you just mentioned uh-huh. uh, a couple of years ago, and they had uh, a background scene with sort of like a it was kind of like if I remember correctly like a wall of monitors of like other things going on like other threats or other sort of otherworldly uh, on goings on almost like a wall of news or something and mm-hmm. it was like you saw Monstar and, and you also saw the tiger sharks in another panel 
Yeah. Now, um, are we going to rescue the tiger sharks in a future episode? If we get picked up for season two. Okay. And we get uh, twenty episode 23, maybe. We get a syndication. PCR. Exactly. That's that's the goal. Yeah. We got to get syndication money. Okay. So when we rescued Masters of the Universe, we went we went um, HBO Showtime type um, uh, series. Yeah. We followed the Game of Thrones model, and uh, damn it, if I say so myself, I think it was a successful rescue mission. Yes. 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 If somebody were to take that. Again, we're just here to start the conversation, but if somebody were to take that, and I think the big takeaway from there can be applied here too. You need to look at what what audience you're gearing this toward. Uh, still with this one, just like with Masters of the Universe, I think the same rule applies. I'm not sure why we always have to reboot things for a new generation. The new generation has their things. The new generation has... Uh, you know, properties that they love that that we we don't need to be a part of. No, this is ours. We, you know, you, if you're gonna reboot Silverhawk, why would you alienate uh, or Master Universe? Alienate the people who are looking forward to it and, and love it and are your built-in audience. And also the ones who have the money. Right. <laughs> so yeah. So yes, if you reboot, like here's a here's a, here's what I'll say. If you reboot this and you keep it sort of that hardcore sci-fi true to the source material um you know a little bit out there but not try to modernize it and, and make it realistic and dark yeah you paint yourself into a corner with that but it it's a corner with a lot of disposable income and influence exactly. <laughs> so yeah i mean again if there's anyone on the planet that would spend a hundred dollars on a silver hawk's sideshow collectibles figure that that person is in their mid mid to late 30s it's not a it's not a new it's not a 20 22 year old film goer it's not a redditor not a redditor (laughs) it's somebody who remembers clearly having a myspace page not being 10 when myspace was a thing oh myspace uh college club So, so, but this for this particular uh, property, I think we're gonna go uh, movie. Yeah, I think movie suits it pretty well because, you know, there's not quite as deep a mythology with Silverhawks as there is with some of the other properties we're gonna talk about, and I think it would be a great, you know, summer action blockbuster sci-fi pick that then could be spun into the, you know, a cartoon based on the new. Silverhawks property. Yeah. Now, um, if you if you heard the first show, you know that this is pretty much the pitch room. This is the writers' room. This is not. Hey, this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to do it. This is how we could do it, and um, and it's and it's open for comments and and suggestions and a dialogue because. We, we like that and you know that's what Twitter's for that's what comments on the website is for uh, popculturerescue.com and um, that's what we're going to do so so with that being said how do we start now I have a couple of questions um, and the, the format typically goes we, we pitch and then we take a break and we come back and do the casting yeah. um, now I have a question yeah do we go space cops and detectives or do we go 
Space Force superhero style. See, that's funny. The very first bullet point I have written down is the Silver Hawks are supposed to be police officers, mm-hmm. so treat them as police officers. And I, I love and the re- the, Yeah, the reason I say that is the superheroes are being done, and they're being done very well. And there's no, especially on the, the the heels of Guardians of the Galaxy, is it's a double edged double edged sword for us because, on one hand, it opens doors and it says, look, there is a mainstream market for a movie like this, a, a galactic team up. Um, but on the same hand, that people are going to say, well, that's already been done. A team of team of five um, galactic superheroes. It's like you know, it's right there. It's been done. But you know, um, I think, yeah, so I think we need to make sure to keep the spin of sort of uh, uh, law enforcement. I love it. I agree. I just wanted to, I wanted to make sure we were on the same page. Now, that being said, though, do we, and I'm struggling with this, so this is a big uh, thing that we would, we can dissect here in the, uh, in the think tank, is are we, so... I never, as a kid, picked up on the fact that it was in the future. I, I, I saw that it was off-planet and, you know, not on Earth, so I didn't know if it was running, you know, in our timeline or not. Then mm-hmm. I was actually taking a look at the uh, Marvel comic of Silverhawks, which is was published under the Star Comics banner. And that one, in the very first panel of issue number one, let me look at the, the exact thing because I thought it was cool, it says um, that it takes place at uh, 1300 hours intergalactic standard time mm-hmm. on the 40th day of the year 2839 and it's and this issue takes place partly in limbo and partly on earth mm-hmm. so are we are we in the future or are we in the present day you know i think i think we should go press yeah. I'm thinking present day. I mean, it, it opens us up for a lot of um, recognizable things and um, some good twists, I think. Yeah. I just, I have a hard time thinking of a movie that I've really gotten into recently that's been set in the future. Because when you, when you do a, a movie or a TV show that is set in the future, its shelf life doesn't last because you eventually reach the future and you see that these things don't exist. Yeah. Or you'll, or you'll watch uh, something like Star Trek or Star Wars. You say, oh, so you got um, lasers and flying machines, but no Google. Yeah. That's <laughs> right. Internet just didn't just, you just, the Jetsons missed the internet though. So, yeah. Somehow. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, I, I, I tend to shy away from. Because even stuff that's set in a not-too-distant future recently. That's the uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 theme song. Yeah, the the not-too-distant future. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so, okay. So we're sticking with the uh, police officers, team of law enforcement. We're sticking with the, are we, okay, are we going to be completely off-planet? Or, in my opinion, we've got to have at least some of the action take place on Earth to create buy-in the general audience well um my idea has earth in the beginning okay and maybe some back and forth but it definitely has earth and it has obviously limbo but the one of the things that i wanted to do which they didn't do a lot in the cartoon they did but they didn't do a lot is they need to be on a planet 
like yeah. a lot of the stuff was just in space in just, the cartoon right yeah, yeah. she was just in space we need a couple of planets you know i mean like the um the silver hawk's lair it was just a small moon with a building on it hawk haven hawk haven now yeah because if you look at you know star wars yeah it, it's in space but outside of the dog fights it, scenes and the battles there were everything else took place on a a planet and mm-hmm. if you do some good world building then that i think it doesn't matter where it takes place as long as it's a, a good setting and i have a couple of ideas for for said settings okay nice um one of the other questions before we dive into um, um, our ideas for stories, which are probably going to be incredibly different, do we, you know, if, and we're going to place this in uh, current time, do we keep the musical weapons? I know. I, well, yes to Melodia and no to Bluegrass. Now, see, I was going to go the opposite way only because of my origin story but okay but we can we can discuss yeah this. yeah once we hear that i like that because they're a little dated you know musical they lyrics. are they are yeah, yeah i'm not necessarily saying melodia has to be a guitar but i think her i mean her you know whereas harley quinn and the joker are based on playing cards mm-hmm. melodia is based on music so it has to be has to keep with a theme, but I guess she doesn't have to have a keytar in well, her hands. Yeah, at all times. <laughs> and I think with Bluegrass, uh, there's two things I want about our Bluegrass. One is that he's got to be somewhat rogue. Okay. I, you, he, he's, he's our one, you know, all teams have to have that um, uh, member of questionable morality who, you know, could be... Um, a turncoat or it doesn't necessarily have to be but oh, um yeah. he you know he's our if, if there's one it's too obvious for it to be the the alien the mime mm-hmm. um so i feel like bluegrass would have to be our sort of uh maybe does maybe bends the rules a little goes against orders um you know ultimately turns out to be uh looking out for the best of the team but doesn't uh is a little bit of a rogue okay so, and then the other thing is, I want to see his uh, guitar hanging, sort of like a like a rifle on a rack, like in the back window of the Mirage, just as a token. Like, oh, there's his. Uh, he doesn't use it, but we'll fan service. So, so how how do you want to jump into this? Um. All right, so let's see here if we've. Yeah, I mean that's a lot of that's a lot of my intro stuff the rest of the stuff i have is sort of plot points and i have a few logic points that we're gonna have to correct okay yeah let's do that let's housekeep well um the silver hawks were metal bird guys Mm. Uh, partly metal partly real yet they couldn't actually fly (laughs) this this has to be fixed they just glide well yeah they would jump out of the mirage and just soar it, they would just hang glide and they would make little formations like they were actually yeah. and then you know uh, there was one there was one episode and it might have been the first um okay this is a part of another part of the problem they would jump out of the mirage and free fall and and glide with their wings that means there's some kind of weird gravity in outer space that's true because they're free falling um, <laughs> and, now not to uh yeah. not to not to 
harp on the comic book, but this is something that I saw that I didn't even notice the disconnect between it and the cartoon until you just said that is in the book when they are sort of going through their checkpoint like the 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 team that creates the silver hawk so we'll call them sort of almost like the uh, project x of this of this world mm-hmm. they um are going through like as they're creating it's like uh they're like um heel rockets check right. wrist boosters check so like there are in that it seems like there are built little built-in uh, modules so that they can fly. Perfect. But yeah, now that you say that, yeah, they do just kind of hang glide in yeah. the uh, cartoon. So, so and bluegrass can't fly at all. He can't fly at all. So we're gonna take care of that. Well, that's a part of in my in my okay. story. Good, um, nice. Also in the cartoon. See, I'm coming from the cartoon. Uh, Mr. Decker's coming from the cartoon and the and the books. Um, for some reason, they could just breathe in outer space. I think yeah, this but... is, is easily solved by when they're actually out in the atmosphere, they use the mask because the, the masks, masks are cool. The masks have to be used much more. Yeah. Um, I think it's something where um, you can sort of create the Iron Man effect where in battle, the mask is just on. Right. And when it and when it comes up in dialogue, or if they're just sitting around, then it that then there's some impact to it. The, the Iron Man effect, or the uh, Star Lord. Yes, yeah. very much so. So you know, yeah, we're gonna I, you know visually. I think the first time that I thought to myself, I really, really want to see a Silverhawks live action film, was was when Iron Man one came out, and just seeing how well it was done, and seeing how I believed that that was a man in a metal suit. And the effects look great, and you know the flight looked great. Um, you know, now one other thing I do want to say is, do we want to speak to any of the? Well, maybe this will come up in your origins. I was going to say, I, I just want to make sure the common film goer doesn't see the trailer and go, uh, "It's just five Robocops um, that can fly." No, but well. Let's let's table that until we get into okay. plots. All right, all right, cool. Um, the only other thing I had besides the weird gravity, because uh, there was one episode where uh, Bluegrass actually used a lasso to pull this, uh, the Silverhawks into the Mirage. I mean, how would a lasso work? Um, <laughs> was the the Monstar transformation? Now that's yeah. gonna have to be yes. some crazy Tony Stark flying metal stuff because see in the cartoon his skin rips off and his metal under it yeah i think we can't okay. have that we gotta now, have a reverse now part of this is going to come up in my my origin stories but i say one rule is that that transformation happens once And that's sort of his Hulk up that he, we just don't know that he's going to do. I mean, they would obviously, in, in the real world, get spoiled by every trailer. But it, it's sort of his Hulk up moment where that's, that's time for the final climactic battle. 
but he doesn't just do that every 10 minutes like in the cartoon. Okay, okay, I can I can make that work into my story. All right. So with that being said, um, by all means, go first. Uh, we all can right, start, so... We can start with origin. Yeah, so, all right. In mine, it's hard for me to figure out where to start because I kind of jumped around, but all right, so by the time we join the team in the film they are and this isn't this isn't to say we won't see any of their origins but they're sort of battle hardened and they've defended the galaxy for for years together now um and they and you know they, they've almost gotten a little bit complacent they've kind of dispatched with a lot of uh you know run-of-the-mill uh, galactic threats um but now what has happened is um Monstar has broken out of prison, and it, and they weren't the ones to put him there. He's been there since before this team came together. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to jump in at all now? Before, well, okay. Um, or do the, you want me to keep going a little bit? Well, the way that I had it was um, more like the first episode of the show. So we start with. Monstar in jail, yeah, like before. He's been captured somehow um, during an eclipse because we know he gets his power from the Moonstar. So he's in the cell and the, and the guards are giving him a hard time. By the way, he's in jail because Stargazer put him there. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so Stargazer puts him there. He's in the cell. Guards give him a hard time. Keeps trying to make a deal with him, but they're not taking it. Um, guards wonder why he's trying so hard all of a sudden. But what we don't know is because the um, the lunar eclipse is coming and the, the moon star light is coming. So they beat him up, they beat him back, throw him back in the cell. So the moon star light hits him because he's secretly been carving out a hole in the cell window. He moves a little rock so you can see that he's trying to get a little more room. And the guards, uh, they realize it, they rush in to stop him, but it's too late. And he doesn't necessarily turn into Super Metal Monstar, but he does get extra strength. Mm-hmm. And he gets some kind of powers. Mm-hmm. So he, he, he frees himself from jail. Um, so after he frees himself from jail, he goes to find the old mob. Okay. And so um, what I was thinking was... Like you have Melodia, she was like hustling people and Poker Faces Casino. Uh, the Yes Man was in jail, he was an informant. And Hardware was somewhere on another planet dealing arms. I like it, it could be a sort of montage that feels like Ocean's Eleven assembling the team. Exactly. Windhammer is in jail for intergalactic terrorism. Uh, they got molecular and some containment units, just bubbles all over the place. <laughs> And then uh, Mambo Jumbo is an underground fighting champ somewhere. And uh, Buzzsaw is in jail. He has no saws. And Monstar figures out a way to sneak him some. And he gets him and kills all the guards and busts out. <laughs> nice. So, so, so they're back in business. And then they have, they have their job, which in my story, the main plot is actually taken from an episode. They're going to construct... This giant, I don't know, saying the cartoon is a missile, but I mean, come on. So we could go with a laser or something that is going to destroy the earth because 
Stargazer was from Earth, and that is his revenge to blow up his home planet. Nice. So you jump in, and then I'll jump back in. All right, I will. Now, people will have to follow the fact that these are two different plots, and we'll, we could we could mix them together um, in elements of each. But of mine course. is mine is a huge departure from what anything we've seen before. Yeah, your so, guys are already already fought. Yeah, they're so already a team, and everything. They, they they've already fought. Now, part of Hawk Haven is established that it it's almost like a a, a weaponized mini planet. So think mm-hmm. Death Star. I like it. But in a good way. So it's set up as a... Um, Commander Stargazer was part of the very first uh, group that set this thing up. And it was basically like Earth's last defense against intergalactic threats. And essentially what it is, is a... Um, Hawkhaven is sort of like a... Almost like a, a man-made satellite of Earth. Mm-hmm. And it, it orbits and it's almost like a mini Death Star. Now, in that, you have to have... There's six seats... And to activate the laser, you have to have a trigger pulled in each of the six seats simultaneously. And the reason that is is a failsafe, because that's a because to pull that trigger, you essentially have the power to destroy like a world or a, an entire fleet of incoming invaders or whatever. Well, hell, maybe half the um, plot is those guys are trying to infiltrate. Hawkhaven to destroy the Earth with the, well, that laser. Well, wait, it gets it's even deeper. Uh-oh. It's even deeper. Uh-oh. So, so the six seats, though, or, or or you know, or we could have it be seven because they have butt um, sensors. Only certain cheats. <laughs> well, n- nice. No, but first, yeah, there is. It's got to be a Silver Hawk. So oh. Commander Stargazer can't sit in the sixth seat, and and he's the only one who's been around for the whole time. Now, in my story, there have been previous in. There's been previous teams mm-hmm. that have either retired, defeated, died, whatever, been defeated. Um, so this is the current incarnation of the team. Now, um, so in my story, the um, Hawk Haven exists as the, as the, the, plan, the weaponized mini planet satellite. Mm-hmm. Um, but sort of a mystery the whole time is who is that sixth seat for? And so they can't operate it because they don't. They're missing that vacant chair holder, and so that's why they have. They're sort of battle hardened. They've had to go out and sort of handle things by hand. Not that they'd ever resort to using that last defense, but you know they've they've never even. It's not even ever been an option for them. Hmm. Meanwhile, the yeah, go ahead. Know. Stargazer knows. Okay. Not only does he know, but he is part of a deeply corrupt and morally bankrupt uh, upper executive government system where he he basically is a plant he's a pawn he's not a bad guy he's just stuck in a bad spot and the uh, Silverhawks the five team members are the last bastion of good and really what turns out to be sort of a dark and evil uh, landscape and we learned that Stargazer was placed there in his position by a super powerful sort of businessman, politician who got all his power because he basically has all the money. Because he runs an off-planet thing called the Starship Casino. Poker face. Poker face. And we don't know him as that yet. So he so this guy is like 
the you know sort of powerful entity he planted stargazer there essentially because he and then he created the um silverhawk initiative with the mini death star hawk haven because he essentially was wanting to protect his own assets because you know he's the most powerful man on earth and to protect the starship casino so you know essentially a lot of times the you know Stargazer doesn't want to do it, but he could be sending the Silverhawks on a suicide mission. Um, and I've got a lot more, but I, I'll stop there and let you come back in. Okay. Um, so, see, the way we're approaching this is two different two different ends. I'm going with more of a the origin and beginning, and he's going. We're going right into the story. Both of these could work famously. Yeah, my, I'm, I'm really intrigued my, with this mystery. My origins will come back in. Okay, um, we got flashbacks. There's a big twist. There's a big twist. Uh -oh. Yep. All right, flashbacks. Because it's foreshadowing. Okay, so um, on mine, so the the whole thing with Monstar is to get revenge on Stargazer. So what happened? Stargazer was also part metal and part real as well. He was originally almost or mortally injured by Monstar and that's what gave them the idea they did that to originally save oh, his life yeah. right so after they saved his life and Monstar was running things for a while it gave them the idea to create the Silverhawks after working on that guy I like and it. so when Stargazer was in the hospital and trying to be coming to they refined his office to look like that to help him readjust to life. That's <laughs> nice. why it looks like Barney Miller. <laughs> so, nice. All right. So for his, the, the the origin, so they show um, Jonathan Quick. He was a super cop civilian, and he was yeah. hurt in the line of duty. And they decided that he was going to be the first guinea pig Silver Hulk person. Then they decided they needed a team. So they were trying to find, you know, who could be on the team. Bluegrass was a burned out pilot who was discharged. And so when they come to him, he's playing his guitar and getting in bar fights. Nice, perfect. <laughs> so he gets he gets recruited, but he's apprehensive about the process after, after he hears everything and he fears he wouldn't be human anymore and he's fighting everybody he doesn't want to do it but then quicksilver shows up and shows him that you know he's still really has a heart and all that stuff and bluegrass figures he doesn't have much of a life anyway nothing's going on his wife That's left fantastic. him fantastic i he, picture um chris pine in the star trek uh did you see the yeah, first exactly. abram star trek yeah, yeah perfect yeah so he, he's he's burnt out and he, he's you know so half alcoholic he so he figures he doesn't have a life so he goes with him and so then you have the twins um, Emily and Will, they're like CSI type rookies, okay. almost, that hears about the new team and they actually volunteer for it. But Will is all for it. Emily worries because she's like, this works with guys, but what about women? And I got things going on. So, yeah. so she figures out a way to improve the whole process and makes it work for her. Okay. But during the process, just like in the cartoon, they almost die. Right. And so they get the uh, mechanical hearts. 
and when they when they wake up they get pissed off and then they want to quit and they start fighting everybody but then you know they eventually come around okay and so then they're doing their training in an x-man type war room so you get to watch people do all of the, get to watch them do other things and what would do different than they did at least in the cartoon and the cartoon they were pretty much all the same except for they look different yeah yeah <laughs> so we give them different skill sets like i uh, like that quicksilver is the fastest and he has like incredible reflexes and he creates holograms and shit nice and then will is obviously the strong man and he has some kind of mace or something yeah and um still heart she can break into things and understands all tech and silence and has lasers everywhere and all kind of shit. Nice. And then they eventually will be introduced to, to Copper Kid, but he's extra flexible and extra dexterity and acrobat and he can communicate with any species. Nice. And he has a laser staff or some shit, you know, like he was a type type of walker. So, um, oh, okay. so, so that's where I have as far as the the origin where they would come from on on my part of the the story and that works well with mine because i didn't flesh out much of the characters of the silver hawks meaning like you know i would stay pretty true to the source material but i love all that so that works all that can work with my with what i have too perfect um all right so back to mine so where um who will turn out to be Poker Face is sort of the looming uh, big bad behind everything. He um, has Stargazer sort of uh, as his puppet uh, in place there. And um, now, so this is where we would sort of get a little bit of the um, origins in flashback mm-hmm. mode. And you'd see that um, Monstar was a reformed prisoner who actually, you know, had had some run-ins with the law, but wasn't an awful, awful, you know, awful uh, type of supervillain like he is now. Um, so we've established in this world that that uh, Poker Face and uh, Commander Stargazer were sort of the um, people who initiated the project and who do these transformations of people and again they can all, all all of them can be part of it via the way that you said volunteer or like bluegrass or so um but the there was originally six who they who they uh transformed mm-hmm. so the five we know and the sixth was uh, a young uh upstart Again, reformed prisoner on his way to the good path, Monstar. He was originally the sixth Silverhawk. Because if you look at the red like armor, it's kind of the same sort of template. Um, when he when he sort of hulks up until, he, until you see the spikes. Right. So the red. So Monstar was. They attempted the very first. He was the first one they attempted the process on. It failed. It failed, and it turned him into what he is. And so they shipped him off and forgot about him. So at this at this point, he's almost sort of a little bit of a sympathetic character, but he still has done some rotten things. So he's in this prison, which is where he meets all of what will become his his gang. Ah, he meets him in the mess hall. He does. And so we'll get, we'll have a little uh, 
or silver is the new black type of stuff. <laughs> and uh, so, so you'll see a little bit of that, but he spent his, he's now spent his whole life figuring out how to get back and he assembles these rogues in this intergalactic prison. Now, in the meantime, um, you've got, uh, I think, a little bit of, a, a little bit of, like, you've got to show him still as, like, sort of a ruthless character. Like, no, you know, we're not all of a sudden turning him into Andy Dufresne here, that he's wrongfully imprisoned. Mm-hmm. But, um, he, yeah, so essentially, um, it's in... Stars, you know, Stargazer and um, Pokerface's best effort to keep him off planet because they know they've sort of, you know, pissed him off for like a better turn. And you know, there'd be a lot of sort of double crossing and uh, subterfuge as far as who, who's really working for who. Um, and that's where sort of like the cop detective-ish type thing happens, where you know a lot of times it would just be accepted like oh there was once a sixth or why'd they build this for six but you know somebody like Quicksilver would be like you know let, let me look into that and he'd almost play the role of like Steve Rogers going to look in the records uh, on the Quinjet or on the uh, helicarrier you know like kind of digging a little deeper and things could kind of come out slowly hmm okay now uh, a keen eye will be able to see this coming. Are we gonna be able to twist it around so uh, some some misdirection? Yeah, I think. I mean, this would come kind of toward the end. Okay. Because you know that that to me is like almost like uh, once the action's unfolded, it's like oh 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 okay, I see how this is going down. So essentially, it would be it would set up for the Silverhawks to take down. Um, to defeat Monstar in a physical battle, but to take down the larger, like, clandestine enemy almost. Almost like, think in terms of Winter Soldier, where Steve Rogers had to defeat the Winter Soldier, but the real battle was against S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. So essentially this is the Silverhawks' real battle is against the the poker face. And, and uh, you know, Commander, again, Commander Stargazer is sort of, morally ambiguous like he wishes he didn't have to be put in this spot but he is and he, so essentially they, he's in it for himself in that he doesn't want to lose what he has and he doesn't want I don't know that they threaten his family or something but essentially the Silverhawks defeat Monstar in a physical battle but it sets up for future you know if we did another film where it'd be a full on you know gang war Silverhawks versus Monstar's gang okay well, that's kind of Almost how I had it set up, um, and 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 the uh, verse. Um, basically, once the um, once the Silverhawks are formed and they're going into training, they they, they meet uh, Copper Kid because he um, he volunteered um, because of a, a threat, and he tells them basically they have to stop him. Uh, Emily figures out that they're building, well, they figure out they're going to build a weapon. Emily figures out what they need to build the weapon. Think um, the mass device. Nice. Um, and she had Joe, where you know what they have to get, so you're going to go there and fight them and prevent them from getting to pieces. Okay. So, yeah. but, so they race to stop them, but the villains, the mob, always defeats them because the Silverhawks. They're not working as a team yet. 
So they, you know, they, they need this piece and they're... they're Gotta they're, come together. Exactly. Gotta learn to work as a unit. You know what that means. Montage. Montage. <laughs> so. and, and, and we need to have, not necessarily 80s music, but like this needs to be some like galactic sci-fi funk. <laughs> I mean, really, like this doesn't need to be... We've, we've talked about this before. Anybody who's listened to either of us on a podcast, this doesn't need to be Chris Nolan realism. No. This needs to be out there, wacky, like, serious sci- science fiction. I agree. Now, the way that it works, since they're not um, as a, the team, so they actually get to build the weapon. They build it, and they're getting ready to kill or destroy the Earth. Okay. But the Silver Hawks come in and fighting ensues, and you think, okay, the uh, Silver Hawks come together as a team and they save the day. Kinda. Huh. So what happens is it doesn't destroy the Earth, but it does blow up another planet. So they're feeling good but another planet is destroyed so they feel bad and it makes Monstar even a worse villain <laughs> and so 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 here's the two things that I had either it blows up another planet and it's you know sad music the sad intergalactic funk plays <laughs> or it blows up the planet of the mimes oh nice and so that really makes Copper Kid like, fuck that, getting them. Even though it sounds like, yeah, hmm? yeah, yeah. But so, so he's waking out. Uh. Now the only reason why I gave that a second thought because I was thinking maybe in the next movie it could be a battle on the planet of the mimes. Uh. So you can well see. I like your first idea for two reasons. It, cre- it makes him the last of his race, yeah. which is which is always intriguing. Mm-hmm. And secondly, it prevents us from ever going to the planet of the mimes because we, as Star Wars fans, as kids, always wished that we could go to uh, Kashyyyk, the Wookiee planet. Mm-hmm. And when we finally got there in the prequels, we're like, "Oh, this sucks." Okay, fair enough. So, mime, the planet of the mimes blows up. So. So it's sad. He's the last of his race. He actually leaves for a while, and they have the mu- to go find him. The music is gone in his voice. <laughs> yeah, he has the sad, the sad tone uh, package. Yeah. Um, so, so, which then sets up the next movie because this is at the end of the movie. Okay. So they're going to find. Also, oh, this is straight Star Wars type where it's. Yes, there's a climatic moment at the end, but nothing is resolved. Yeah, because like they, they actually blew up. They actually killed people. Yeah, the whole planet, and so then just, just up the ante. Exactly. They then they take the way. Um, I take this from another episode, but they're out there in space and talking and everything, and then they, the next day they realize it's, it's still dark. Hmm. Because Monstar and the mob has taken over the Limbo artificial sun. Oh wow! Because they actually they actually try to do that in the cartoon. Okay. And so it's all dark, and he's taking it over for ransom or the surrender of Stargazer. Oh wow! Movie over. 
I love it. And then you got the, the next movie, uh, Silver Hawks, Lightless. <laughs> Lightless. Oh, excellent. The dark side of the no, that's already been done. Yeah, and I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't come with the um, the dark ages or anything. No, I like that a lot, and I, you know, I will say that um, I think our two sort of uh, outlines can work together because I don't have a lot of that ending action mapped out. I just have sort of like motives, um, but but you know that that definitely works and so essentially what we could say is since yours was a scramble to uh, assemble the parts to make that super weapon and mine was really essentially a uh, mystery of how to you know who built it and why and and the sixth seat we could work together there to have basically the major climax be the bad guys taking control of that weapon one way or another whether it initially started as the good guy weapon or you know whatever and essentially, it's you know the science fiction equivalent, the Silverhawks equivalent of a Death Star, where you have all power when you have control of that. Now, of Howard, it functioning. Howard, there's one thing that I am not budging on. <laughs> What's that? The squid must be in the movie. Oh, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, one thing I had in mind was I wanted to include the. Um, what on movie sites they call the dating catwoman trope. Okay. Which essentially is, um, and I'm trying to think of the name quickly of, uh, oh, the Scott, is it the Skyrunner? The uh, squid thing? Yeah. Anyway, anyway, so the dating catwoman essentially, like, it, it is what it is. Batman, you know, despite catwoman being a villain, you know, he dates her sometimes. So in mine, either. And, uh, you know, like Bluegrass or somebody becomes romantically involved with Melodia, who in in mine, she, I, I forgot to mention this, she is not one of the fellow prisoners of Monstar. She is um, a, we'll call it, employee or dignitary of Starship Casino. So even though Pokerface is running that, that gig, she's sort of like a, like a Tess Ocean type thing. Which works with kind of my origin story where I say that's where she was. So yeah. So she's just a little more exactly. refined instead of hustling people. She, yeah, she's, she's running. She's kind of running the deal and then she ends up sort of in league with somebody. And, and ultimately she um, double crosses Poker Face. He thinks she's like his number one sort of lieutenant. And uh, she double crosses him to go with into Monstar's gang because they had a connection from way back. Um, and it, but in the meantime, has to betray whichever Silverhawk she had a thing with. And she legitimately had developed feelings, even though it sort of started out as like a long con. Um, so yeah, it's just something I wanted to Yeah, we could have it like when he was, um, he's, since he was a, a, a burnt out drunk and whatnot, he's, yeah, he's, gambling. he's drinking. Yeah, he's, he's, he's drinking gambler. and gambling at the casino. He'd be friends Kenny Rogers. Yeah. Now I will say this: uh, if any studio wants to uh, make something of the Silverhawks property and um, decides that they need a social media presence um, on Twitter, a uh, little note of trivia: pulling back the curtain here, at the Silverhawks is registered since August 2012 to me. Nice. <laughs> So yeah, you're gonna need to uh, pony up and 
and pay me for that handle. Or just hire us to help with the move. Exactly. We'll give it to them for free. That's all it takes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, you can't have the Twitter handle. We just want to write, direct, and produce the movie. That's it. I think that's fair. Yeah. That's a one-to-one split. Yeah. So I'm ready to, to do some casting if you are. Oh, in that case, let's take a quick break. And um, we're going to come back and we're going to cast the super movie that we just came up with, uh, the, the Silverhawks, after this. Reach for the stars Whoa Yeah You stand on a distant planet Skyline of red plateaus Strange air and vegetation You're a winner Welcome to the Space Olympics The year 3022 Take part in a grand tradition Your name that goes in the halls of the universe Motion Shield, and two other Hawkhaven treasures. You can collect them all. I will take them. Take this, monster. The amazing Silverhawks meal packs now at Burger King. This is gonna be good. But now, let's find the Silverhawks. Welcome back to the show. Bob Culture Rescue is collecting deck. It's, uh... At Eclectic and at Howard the Deck. We're, we're talking Silver Hulks. We, we went over origin stories and plot points and sets up for new movies and a big mysteries. Who's in the chair? Who sits in the chair? It's a lot of things going on. And um, at the Silver Hulks, if you want it, talk to my man. It's available. Now it's time. We're, we're, we're going to actually cast this movie. So um, let's start off at the top. Jonathan Quick. Jonathan Quick. So for me, I uh, actually about, uh, let's see, in uh, April of 2013, did a fantasy cast of a Silverhawks movie. So long enough ago that some things may change, but for the most part, I still do sort of stand by these. And since 
Um, this is the Pop Culture Rescue is a separate entity from Underscore Fire. I can bring old material. That is and, actually, uh, There's a chance yeah, people haven't seen it. <laughs> and, it plus, and it was perfectly done. So even if they have seen it, everyone's going to agree. Well, plus nobody clicks on anything about Silverhawks. So I think we're yes. safe. Uh, my uh, Jonathan Quick, uh, the, the old uh, field leader of the Silverhawks, unquestionably honorable, honorable and loyal. Um, but essentially a uh, quintessential 80s good guy leader type I thought would be well played by The Walking Dead's Andrew Lincoln, a.k.a. Rick Grimes, because he sort of has all those same qualities on that show. And when clean-shaven can make a good Jonathan Quick. I can't argue with it. I, I mean, every one of your casting choices, and if you were, were spot on, and if you changed anything, I'm pretty sure it's going to be just as good. I kind of went... Um, this is what I did with my casting. I wanted, I wanted some star power, but for the not for the whole team. You gotta have some yeah. mid-level. So what I did, since Jonathan Quick was the leader, I, I kind of went, I kind of went easy. I kind of went chalk, and I went Michael Fassbender. Oh, I like that. He's got that clean look too. He has the clean look. I could see that. And just enough of a, like in Prometheus, enough of a sort of robotic delivery that it's like, ooh, he's partly, he's not all human anymore. Create some inner turmoil. I like that. All right, for uh, Steel Heart, I had, um, here I wanted somebody who has like a sort of athletic profile, um, and, but also can pull off that sort of, uh, 80s sci-fi pixie hairstyle and again we don't have to stick to the exact visual design but I think um, you, you can't do much to change Steelheart's look um, so I had Ashley Green um, she was in the Twilight series she was in Apparition and she's got a Taekwondo background so she sort of uh, has that that profile and I think she fits the look look at you with the with the the training uh, background information. Yeah, checking in. I got info from her agent. I had agents submit uh, their their uh, headshots for their clients for this. Incredible. <laughs> um, Put on a casting call. What I did is I went with someone that had to look pretty, not necessarily known worldwide, but known in this area of geekery. So okay. I went with Jenna Coleman, mm. um, who, who plays uh, Clara Oswald in the British uh, version of Doctor Who. Okay. Um, she was also uh, briefly in the, um, Captain America 1. Oh, all right. And yeah, I like that. Yeah, she's got a good look for it. Yeah, she was in Titanic, I think. But um, okay. So I'm going to go with uh, Jenna, Jenna Coleman. That's a good call. Thank you. Um, Steel Will is where I'm going to have to change because at the time, and this just proves how uh, prophetic I am about how this guy's star rising. Mm-hmm. I had, He actually time, owes you. He owes you. He this. big time owes me. So I'll read you exactly what I wrote here uh, over a year ago. Steelheart's twin brother will have to be played by someone whose physical stature overshadows the other actors. Chris Pratt beefed up considerably for his role in Zero Dark Thirty, and he could do that again if his Parks and Rec schedule permits. Uh, 
you know, so obviously we're not going to get, I mean, the Peter Quill, a.k.a. Star-Lord, to play a third or fourth fiddle on a Silverhawks reboot anymore. But, you know, I had sort of said that my backup would be like a John Cena or a WWE wrestler, just sort of, you know, a guy who doesn't necessarily have to have all the depth in the world, but he just has to have the physical look. Wow. But yes, you, you had you had it nailed. Had it nailed. I mean, you know, hey, this guy'd be good for a galactic superhero team. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm thinking they trolled, Marvel trolled under Scoop Fire and said, Absolutely. you know what? Let's do it. You know uh, I went with, um, as, as I did with Fastbender, I'm, I'm going with another uh, mutant. Okay. I'm going with the guy who played Colossus, uh, Daniel Kudmore. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. He he played he played Colossus. He's going to be in an upcoming movie for Halo as Master Chief, uh, Petty Officer John One Seventeen. Um, but um, that guy is um, pretty pretty good. And from my my research, I found out that he lost out the Superman role to um, uh, Brandon Routh. Oh wow! Yeah. All right. Yeah, he he works for me. That's Dang let's it. do it. Welcome. Book them. Pratt's not calling me back, so. <laughs> All right, for Colonel Bluegrass, uh, essentially, um, it was a knockdown for me because this is a guy that I just like to see in everything. Um, he auditioned. He auditioned for. He was one of the finalists from Rumor Has It. He was one of the finalists to land the role of Green Lantern that Ryan Reynolds ultimately landed. Um, I scoffed at it then and was like, oh no, please don't ever cast him in a role like that. But Justin Timberlake would be a perfect bluegrass based on the fact that he's got sort of that, I mean, he's from Nashville, so he's got that country ability, sort of the, uh, the flavor there. And I can see him as a un- unshaven, grizzled, uh, his acting performances have been much better than anybody. I, I think at this point we are giving him credit, but um, I think he'd be a great Colonel Bluegrass. I think that was an excellent pull. Um, first time I saw it, I, I, I thought, yeah, I mean, if, if you've seen him in his denim outfit when he was dating Britney Spears, um, and his cowboy hat, you, you, is, that's basically bluegrass right there. He, um, he's, uh, you know, he's the, the, the character is, even though we're going to hang up the guitar, he's music-based. So you gotta have somebody that has has that music, you know, musically kind. Not that they're gonna bust into a musical number in the middle of the thing, but I think he'd be a, a good country space cop. Yeah, I agree. Um, I went a little different here. Um, not uh, there is a uh, six degree of separation between yours and mine, but um, I'm going with. Jason Sudeikis. Oh, nice. So that make uh, you know, I actually could see that. Jason Sudeikis, he he can he can be grizzled, he can have the beard, he can be drunk, he can play serious, and he can provide the comic relief. Quick shout out to one of our sponsors, Preparation H. When discomfort sneaks between your cheeks, 
Preparation H. He would. He would. He'd be that face. He he would be the audience's entry point into this gonzo world where he'd just kind of give that facial look like, is this happening? Like, where am I right now? What is this? Because you know at some point he's going to say, why the fuck can't I fly? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he will He will definitely make backhanded comments and, and uh, at, the, at the other ones about that. Yeah, that's a great call. I like that a lot. So that's what I was going with for uh, old Colonel Bluegrass. Nice. Um, all right. For Copper Kid, um, he's the youngest member of the Silverhawks. He's the only non-human. Mm. So, you know, I had to get somebody who is um, younger than the other actors, but not necessarily a kid. Um, so this guy is a teenager. He actually played the young version of Snake Eyes in the flashback scenes in uh, G.I. Joe's the, the Rise of Cobra. And he's currently on Disney XD's Kicking It. So he has that sort of... Uh, is, that a, is that K-I-C-K-I-N? It is. Nice. <laughs> and, you know, so he does that sort of uh, combat style. That's what he's... He, I think he's a martial artist first, actor second, but actually it would work good to bring that physical ability to play that character. Huh. Well, um, the, um, a first and uh, pop culture rescue. Stunt cast alert. Stunt cast alert. Oh, jeez. Uh, Jaleel White. Close. For the Copper Kid and stunt casting, and twist it is not a male oh you're doing a fantastic four on me here i'm doing a fantastic four on you i'm going with willow smith (laughs) (laughs) you know i'm glad you brought it up because the silver hawks in general are not a diverse group Mm -mm. and it had it was until season two that that uh Hot Wing made his appearance. Yeah. Which so. we're going to have an incredible Popeyes tie-in when, <laughs> when we pitch Silver Hugs 2 Lightless. Oh. <laughs> but I'm going, with, uh, I'm going with Willow Smith. One, because it's going to appeal to a different part of the audience that's going to want to see 100%, this movie. 100%. Um, she has a, a, a particular look. Mm-hmm. And she does. And um, I, I think that um, I think that it will work. And one of the things that I was uh, thinking of when we're when I was thinking of how we're gonna do the show, since in the battles in space at least they're gonna have their mask on 100. percent Mm-hmm. That's all CGI. Yeah. So that's gonna be incredible. It's gonna be like Spider-Man uh, scenes the entire time almost. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Which we, yeah, exactly. So it's, in a sense, we should say, well, we don't need to go big budget with these people, but it, it wouldn't, they're not, you know, they're going to appear in it, but it's not a ton of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and, and with Willow Smith, you don't necessarily have to even act. You're not, you don't have any speaking. Right. Yeah, <laughs> just whistles and tunes. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, all right, I'll I'll do Commander Stargazer, right? Uh, and that to, that for me rounds out the the uh, good guys. Um, I was on uh, actually another podcast at one point. We were talking about this, and I mentioned um, Terry O'Quinn, aka Locke from Lost, mm-hmm. as a good Commander Stargazer, and Modern Family's Ed O'Neill 
aka Al Bundy. But I ended up, um, that was, when I said that, that was before I got into and binge-watched Breaking Bad, at which point Dean Norris hit me as the perfect uh, Commander Stargazer, especially in my sort of um, incarnation where he's a little bit morally ambiguous and he's Mm -hmm. sort of, he's stuck there and his intentions are questionable. Um, Yeah, so DEA if you've seen Under the Dome, he actually plays that almost perfectly. Oh, perfect. Yeah, so Hank Schrader is my uh, Commander Stargazer. Now, see, I knew this because I'm, I'm a big Underscoop Fire fan, and I'm oh. a big Howie Decker fan. Oh. So, um, Who isn't, though? I can't think of it. Oh, no. Yeah, I can't think of anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I, you know, uh, the first thing that I thought of was Bar- Barbara Streisand, but she, no. she was on the Tonight Show and she mentioned you, so not she a, came around. Yeah. Cool. Not a Dave Cooley, eh? No. No, no, no. I think, I think uh, that's it. Um, okay. So I didn't want to match your Hank Schrader, but I wanted someone who could fit in to what I was going with. Okay. Tom Arnold. Oh, that works. Tom Arnold, absolutely stargazer. That's great. So he can also give a little comic relief, but he's a, <laughs> but he can be very serious when he, when he needs to be. Right. And and since he's under the the thumb of Poker Face, he can play that. Oh, definitely. Yeah, like the like he's supposed to command respect, and he does to a degree, but still people are like, God damn that guy. Yeah, he's helpless. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Excellent. All right. So I've only got um, Monstar and then um, Melodia cast um, because, like you mentioned, so much so much uh, motion capture and, and CGI for the villains. Um, but I have uh, a, an actor who I see as a guy who's really, really good at screaming and being scary. So the role okay, of Monstar... Okay, go for it. <laughs> oh, oh! Uh, uh, or no, that's Sam Kinison I just did. Um, so this role is perfect for him. Uh, I had Gerard Butler as my Monstar. And essentially he's, he would be sort of in like the Ron Perlman type of makeup where it's still, you can see that it's him, but it's full, a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, work done. Um, and really, in mine, he only kind of does like the Hulk up, where he turns to full metalhead once. I like. So it. he's actually probably in it the most. Hmm. Hmm. I can see that, and I can see how you would see him through the um, the, the prosthetics, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with an actor who was the voice of Megatron at one point. And Ooh, he, nice. And he, he was um he's most known for being Agent Smith. Nice. In the Matrix. Going with Hugo Weaving. I like that. He almost looks like Monstar without makeup. And he has essentially become the geek, you know, a geek icon in that he was Red Skull exactly. and Agent Smith and he was in a, in the Lord of the Rings. Movies, so this could be so. his coming out party. And as like you said, Megatron. Yeah, I dig it. I could see that. It's got a good, excellent delivery of cadence. 
yes. Especially because he has he has to get the the chant, the incantation correctly. Right. Exactly. Good. All right. So the only other one I had was, um, and this I just came up with very recently is uh, for Melodia. I'm picturing, um, and this is someone who I when I thought of her, I said, should we put her as Steelheart? But she kind of has that like sly, almost villainous streak to her. And I'm I'm picturing Lizzie Kaplan as my Melodia. Lizzie Kaplan. Now that was a pull, sir. Yeah, I'm tired of the, uh, you know, a lot of fan sites are like, oh, Lady Gaga was born to play Melodia. Well, I have never seen that, but I wouldn't mind it. <laughs> yeah, no, it were, you know, speaking of stunt casting, it'd be sort of like that. Check out Lady Gaga in her first uh, sci-fi action role, but I'm not sure we want this to be known for that. Now, unfortunately, this is a minor stunt casting alert that I have for Melodia. But it's not Lady Gaga. Rihanna. That would be some incredible uh, stunt casting. But I already pulled that. uh, Already pulled the race card with with Willow Smith there. See, I I could see Rihanna as Melodia. You know, I actually could too. Um, But I'm going to go a different way. I'm going with Alicia Moore. Oh, nice. Also known as Pink. Music's Pink. Yeah. Pink Good as Melodia. I could totally see Pink as Melodia. Yeah. And she and you know she'd get ripped as hell for this role. Exactly. Yeah. And she could actually be in some fight scenes. I mean, listen, she, she's been in Rollerball. <laughs> you know, yeah. She, yeah. She was in uh, Get Him to the Creek. She, she, she knows movies. She does. I can see that. Um, and you got to have some sort of neon hair, neon green, or at least pink hair. Exactly. So I think she 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 was she's she our for this. If, if we are going to pay homage to, but not exist in a world that visually looks like the '80s, she's the one character that we say just make her look totally '80s as our sort of paying homage to our roots here. Right. And and we'll uh, have a big screen and have. Um... Um, Tyrone Kilm as Thunder Lionel <laughs> on a screen somewhere. Yeah, absolutely crossover cameo. Now, now I went, I went uh, and took it upon myself to to cast Hardware Poker Face and Hot Wink. Oh, nice. Um, Hardware, which is one of the most important people in the whole mob. He has a weapon yeah. for everything. Yeah, he's the Destro of the group. Yeah, a little short uh, guy. That's a uh, pet oh, troll. Oh, nice, love it. Um, and for Poker Face, now see, this is pre-knowing that Poker Face was going to be the puppet master of um, the corruption and Limbo. Okay. So, but I went with Jim Parsons. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I would uh, be able to use him in mine. No, but, you uh, would not. See, because it's actually at perfect. The, yeah, if you looked at the cartoon, it would make yeah. sense. Yeah, but, exactly. But in this, we we can't do that. So we'll find him. We'll we'll make him the um the cab driver. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and for Hot Wing, again, incredible Popeyes tie-in. I've I've been on the phone with him. Um, we're getting rid of Annie, the chicken lady, and we're gonna have Hot Wing. <laughs> 
take over promotions for this um, for the three month build up to the um, premiere. But yeah. it's gonna be um, Isaiah Mustafa, Mr. Old Spice himself. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Only he can bring a sense of uh, epic nature to that role. Exactly. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, someone I just thought of. You know, if we if we don't if we end up not having Poker Face be such a pivotal character, mm-hmm. uh, and we and we couldn't get Jim Parsons due to his uh, Big Bang Theory obligations. Then it's Lady Gaga. She just sings her song I, the whole movie. I think we should get uh, T, T, uh, USA's Todd Chrisley of Chrisley Knows Best. That would be 100% spot on casting. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't even mind him being the puppet master. <laughs> that would just be. I just want our poster to be like Silver Hawks, Summer 2017. Class not ass. I just like to screw with people. <laughs> that is the ultimate tagline. <laughs> we could get rid of partly metal, partly real. Absolutely. <laughs> so, oh, um, there you have it. Um, I think we successfully um, at least gave ideas almost 90% of how to rescue this property. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, it, it just shows that it, there's elements here that could translate. I mean, you know, a lot of people go, oh, it was just a knockoff of Thundercats. So if they're not going to do a Thundercats movie, why would they ever do Silverhawks? But there's also a lot of people that think Silverhawks, although it came after Thundercats, was the better of the two. And, and it, uh, it's just different enough that we, you know, we haven't seen a movie about uh, human predatory cats uh, do well, but we've seen a movie about a galactic sort of super team that's just way out there and goofy and, and that not only work, but be the best movie of the year and make billions of dollars. So, you know, I get that we wouldn't have Marvel Studios behind this, but there's a market for this. Yeah, I, it would translate to anything a lot easier than cats. Yeah, human. which... Right, exactly. And I think, you know, we've mapped out the first five to seven properties that we want to pop culture rescue as episodes of this podcast. And we have steered away from planning Thundercats because I think we're both kind of scared. Like, what can we do with it? Yeah, it's not much. I mean, not much is going to be incredibly entertaining as a movie or as, as a podcast. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, I eventually think, um, we'll get to it, but it'll, it might be like yeah. a fifteen to twenty minute podcast. But <laughs> we'll eventually get to it. Yeah, but I, I mean, you know, I think in summary to answer your question, I think with all the remakes nowadays that come out, it seems like the the way they try to modernize is to remove that sense of like innocence and wonder, and they add lots of inter party conflict and 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 you know darkness and realism and i'm just i think this is the property that can break that mold and sort of add some modern sensibilities but stay true to the source material and just make it a fun ride don't you know nobody needs to go into this trying to take it super seriously it doesn't need to tackle any real world issues just go have science fiction fun popcorn exactly class not ass on that note class um, not bluegrass oh now are we going to um, 
Were we gonna have Bluegrass teach Copper Kid uh, how to fly the Mirage? We didn't even mention the Mirage. Uh, yeah, you know. Oh, the only mention of it was I said I wanted to see the guitar hanging in the back oh, window yeah. like a rifle on the rack. But yeah, no, I guess, uh, yeah, that can be something. Yeah, it's got to be in it. This is it. I got it. I got it. Um, at one point, Bluegrass at the, um, at the casino, totally wasted. They need to go. Cover Kid takes the lessons that he learned, and he's actually flying. Yeah. It's essentially, there, there's so many Millennium Falcon tr- tropes that we can trot out here. I mean, it's got the, the smuggler, rogue, pilot, owner. It's got the um, gambling. It can be lost in a gambling thing at the Starship Casino. Silver um, tropes. Can we call it silver tropes? Silver tropes, yeah. It can be piloted by somebody else, like when Lando took it. I mean, yeah, there's a lot we can do. The Mirage is... It's the Millennium Falcon of the Silverhawk universe, so we gotta have it. And so, with that being said, um, obviously, we, we're gonna we're gonna have a cartoon come from it. But most importantly, Toys. action figures, yes, and they will actually be um, more um, than five points of articulation. Yeah, and they they won't rub off, and but they will <laughs> kick ass. And just so you know, every. Um, pop culture property that has a toy tie-in, it will be Masters of the Universe classic <laughs> scale. Yes. yes, yes, which is the same scale and in, in, in articulation as the DC Universe classics, which somebody took one of and made an unbelievable Quicksilver custom that I've tweeted before and put on Instagram. I think I put it on Instagram as recently as last month. But we'll put it in the show notes page, but it's essentially the most gorgeous action figure you've ever seen. Um, and it's a, a, a Quicksilver in that Masters of the Universe classic scale, the six inch scale with all that articulation. And it just would be, it, it just would be such a, a gorgeous figure line right now that everybody would snap up. All and the collectors have, like us. And unlike the previous incarnation, it will have the masks. Yes, the masks, absolutely. And we'll have a Hulk Haven that opens like a Castle Grayskull. And Melodia will have pretty hair that you can brush. Yes. I'm looking I'm looking at you, Lamar the Revenger. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, did I hear a rumor that we have a, a Twitter handle for this show? We, we we do have a Twitter handle and it's at Pop Culture Rescue. But the rescue is spelled R-E-S-Q. Because Twitter's so stupid that they left us one letter short of fitting in Pop Culture Rescue properly. And think about it. How many Twitter handles do you know has a Q in it? Come um, on. Just, uh, yeah, just the... Um, At Qbert. Quebec Nordiques that I still follow, even though they moved 20 years ago, 10 years ago. <laughs> Besides that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we have that. You visit the website, popculturerescue, uh, spelled correctly, dot com. And, um, yeah. And you can also email us uh, your ideas if you don't want to put them on the page at podcast at popculturerescue.com. Do that. First one to email us is automatically our best friend forever. That is factually accurate. So with that being said, on that note... Mr. Decker, 
A pleasure as always. We will uh, see you next show. Set a course for loving. What you see on the diagram is a female body. Can you name the most important parts of a female body? What's the first one? That's great, kid. What's next? Two points. Keep going. Now you're on a roll. What's the next one? You got it. One more. That's excellent, kid. Now, you can double your points if you tell me what's the name of the rowdiest sex move in the galaxy. All I can say is, when you're hot, you're really hot.